This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 430, recorded on January 16th, 2020. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from a chilly, mic, like single-digit temperatures today. Like, this was one of those days where if you don't have the right gear, you're screwed. <laughs> like, you are cold. And it was, you're outside for a few minutes and you're pretty cold, right? Now, you've been inside because you haven't been feeling well, but did you get, did you have to go out in the uh, in the cold at all? Well, just, you know, taking the kids to and bringing them back from school. Uh, right. Yeah. I park Oof. right in front of the door to their school and just getting Emmett out and then letting him wait and going and get Harris out. My hands, you know, you, you get that instant, yeah. Yeah. almost like can burn a little cold bit. Cold fast. Yeah. Like it's cold fast. No, nothing to mess around with. We have some snow. Just nonstop. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. We have some We have some snow coming in tonight and it's kind of created that weird confluence of activities in the city where... They knew about it far enough in advance. People began to prepare for it. They've been spraying the roads already. And then, like, we're going to get two people to come to work tomorrow. I mean, I, the whole city of Omaha, if you can stay home, they're just like, ah, stay home. Yep. It's not. It's a Friday, so it's going to be a three-day weekend for most people anyways. The, the, the working from home technology, you know, the idea of being able to be remote is, for most people, most, so good that even as an organization, Gallup, we sent out an email today, and they... They encouraged it. They were like, look, you're more productive than spending two hours trying to drive to work. Because uh, tomorrow it's a perfect storm or it's supposed to be bad in the morning and then again in the afternoon. And so they're like, hey, don't even come in. But the technology to do that is we can handle it now, right? Most We can have almost all of the office. There's I don't know, four or 500 of us there out and everybody can do it. So it works a lot better. Can you, you can, I'm assuming you can do that as well. Oh, 100%. I haven't, I have never relied on working from home as much as I have this week. So I'm just at the tail end of having influenza. So this whole week, I tried to go in on Tuesday. I really shouldn't have. They, my boss sent me right back home. It's like, you're going to get us all sick. Um, I worked, and, but there, we have two deals closing um, this week. Mm. And so there was no, like, it, there was stuff that needed to get done. And I mean, it, it's, I'm able to do everything here. And especially right now, the way my office is set up, we are we're building a new corporate headquarters because of our expansion. So we're all, we have like three like satellite offices right now until we can all consolidate mm. into the new building. So you know it's not like I'm really seeing a lot of people anyway. We're usually doing a WebEx yeah. Yeah. between the buildings, right? Because we're all in different buildings. We're usually on WebEx anyway. Um, my boss is out of San Diego, so he's already yeah. used to it. I mean, I really could work at home twenty four seven. Yeah, most of the time. And uh, yeah. yeah, I I am a firm believer though that. You know, being in an office does a lot for company culture. Yep. That face-to-face -face interaction is really good. I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, I, you know, I, I'd rather just work from home twenty-four-seven." And I'm like, I, I would say about half, right? I, I could, I could do half time, but there's something about that face-to-face -face that is that is still good. But you're right. Yeah. On days like tomorrow, uh, I was looking. So this is how Omaha works, though. We're projected like two to four inches. We'll get one, maybe. And they've already started canceling all the schools. Bellevue's closed. Like they're already yeah. start, the cancellations already started yeah. to roll in before yeah. we even have a single flip. I know. It hasn't even started snowing yet. No. Yeah. Mike, uh, Andrew in the chat room saying you're a little quiet. I think uh, the, the turn that processing yeah. back, on. back on and let's see. Let's, let's give it a six. I'm probably talking. Yeah. 
yeah, we'll see if that what that does. We'll see if that helps it up. So just, it, it probably will. Yeah, because it'll adapt for us, which right. is probably a lesson. If you're going to use it, I should probably, or vice versa, you know, or we're not, uh, so we're, we're not on the same level. We're on the same. We're on the same audio level. Yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah. Let me know, guys, in the chat if I if yeah. that helped. Yeah, um, it's going to probably take a few minutes for it to settle down. But of course, I'll, I'll say uh, we produce the show and post it out at theaverageguy.tv. World-class show notes out there if you want to check those out. Theaverageguy.tv, since this is 4.30, it's going to be forward slash HGG413. Don't forget, you can download us and listen to us on the mobile app, homegadgetgeeks.com. Android iPhone is out there as well. I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. That's not free uh, to own that. And so we appreciate the Patreon subscribers who help me pay for that each and every month. Join the Discord, Discord group, theaverageguy.tv. And by the way, some of the now that I've kind of gotten into the home automation space again, some of the chat on the Discord group has been awesome. So, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Did we for, do the formal intro to the show? Did I'm doing totally, it right now. No, I'm doing did it. Did right we now. do the whole, you know, the average guy? Did we yeah. do like the actual one? Yeah. Wow. wow. Dude, this medicine is some strong stuff. They don't joke <laughs> around with this influenza. Oh, man. I've been in my head the whole uh, this whole week. So that's super this, funny. Man. This will be an interesting show. It's almost did like you, I'm drunk, and I haven't had a single drink all day. It's water, <laughs> I swear. Oh, that is funny. Uh, the average guy.tv slash Discord. The average guy.tv slash Facebook. It gets you there as well. Um, we want to highlight, and and Mike, you uh, you watched them uh, live stream last night, but Ryan, Ryan, and Bob will be on here in a couple of weeks. Thinkcomputers.org slash CES. 2020. If you haven't checked out their coverage over there and you're kind of a hardware nerd, you kind of you're you're kind of missing out. Two folks that you know, and you know Ryan really well. He's been on the show before. We're gonna have Bob come with him um, on this next go around. Thinkcomputers.org slash CES 2020 and catch up on their kind of their CES coverage. We're gonna kind of get the best of it uh, when they're on here in a couple weeks. And uh, we appreciate them uh, sharing that with us. And Mike, you got a chance to listen to their live stream last night? I did. Yeah, yeah, last night. So last night was the live recording of their show. And what I'll say, what I like about what they do is they really, I mean, they talked about a few of like the kind of really cool booths, right? Like they talked about like the robot ping pong for just a second. Uh, but what they focused on was the actual consumer average guy things that are available to us, right? What's the new lineup of graphics cards? Um, they talked about all of that sort of things that, that really makes a difference for, for me. So it was actually not the usually CES coverage, to be totally honest. I usually avoid a lot of it because, you know, it's it's all theoretical. It's in the future. It's not really happening. It's these big ideas, and which is really cool. Uh, but their show was really tailored to um, stuff that is really everything that if you listen to our show, you're going to love what they talked about over there. Yeah. And then, of course, they always what I, my favorite part is then they jump on Twitch afterwards and Ryan games. I think and Bob was playing with him last night, too. Uh, they game. I did not know his co-host, Bob, used to be a competitive gamer. He used to compete with CS uh, Counter-Strike, and I think there was one other game he used to play as well. So cool background, and, and they're just two really cool guys. So if you have not checked yeah. out their show, it'll be fun having them on, too, in a few weeks, and they can kind of give us the the rundown on CES. Yeah, what they what they do in the podcast, it fits very well with what we are doing. I think, it it, I think they get more detail. And they do. Kind of That's what I like about the them. I mean, yeah. if it, the detail they go into on just a single case is awesome. Like if you guys are looking for those kind of reviews on the cases, I mean, the level, the the photos they take, the level of detail they go into, they really think about too, if I'm going to build in this case, uh, and I'm just using cases as an example, they review everything. Um, they do a good job there. Yeah. So if you haven't checked that out yet, think 
Uh, what did I say? Think Computers. I want to make sure I get that right. Thinkcomputers.org. And uh, you can check out their site as well as their CES coverage as well. I mean, obviously, I'm going to have some trouble speaking tonight as well. <laughs> Paul Brarin. It can't be the beer. I just started drinking it. Paul Brarin. A big thanks to Paul Brarin who came on from his Tesla. Mike, I don't know if you did you get a chance to see I have video? not had a chance oh, yet. Listen, it, you got to go see the video. Paul did the whole podcast from his Tesla. What uh, was he using to record? Like, what, what uh, was his microphone. camera and stuff? Yeah, he had a no. He had a, he had a laptop um, in there, and yeah, no. Well, he had a. Uh, I don't know what he was coming off of. Um, I think it was a laptop, and uh, he had a he had a webcam in there. Plus, brought the microphone in and uh, was did it from the Tesla. It was pretty cool. Does Streamyard have an app you could use from an iPhone or iPad or something like that? No, not yet. Or I wonder well, if it works. They're working on it. They're working on it. Working on one. Man, what a cool yeah. addition that would be, right? Yeah. Especially for those those type of interviews. Or for your, you know, not very techy more because a lot of people now are yeah. mobile. They don't have a no a, a big rig. No, and I wonder if I'd had him come on and come in on his phone browser with the microphone from an iPhone or Android, whatever. Those yeah, are actually pretty good. They are. Um, no, the sound it sounded good and it was fun to have him on. So, Paul, thanks for your for giving us the time. Kind of caught us up. Not only does he have one Tesla, but bought a second, and uh, and so a lot of Tesla talk. If you're doing that. Um, kind of, you know, every time I talk to him and Dwayne, I think, you know, cause I'm buying a car this summer and it's like, mm, maybe the Tesla's it's not, I'm not ready for it yet, but, um, I keep thinking maybe it is time. So, uh, Paul, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your commitment. If you haven't, if, listen, if you're new to, if you're new to home gadget geeks here and you haven't checked out Tinkertry, right? Tinkertry.com, mm -hmm. uh, talk about detailed like there's nobody more detailed and thorough than paul and so his site what a great companion to what we do here we're kind of conversation and making stuff up paul is actually doing stuff and recording it and he's got screenshots i mean that guy is so meticulous and so thorough you should you definitely should be reading what he does over there as well so he did he wrote better show notes on his site than I did on mine. Is my show? I mean, that's that's how uh, that's that's what a great job um, he does as well. Mike, we've uh, had a couple, and I want to spend a little bit of time uh, tonight. Uh, uh, Ease us, I think, is how they pronounce that. Remember, way back in the day, um, I put out a note. I think it was on. I think I did it both on Facebook and on Discord. And I was like, man, it has been a long time since I've had to do this, but I need some sync software, and yeah. I. Who, what, what are people using to do that? And I got some fairly, uh, from some fairly standard responses back. Um, I, I landed on, and there were some, uh, there was a bunch of, a bunch of suggestions in that. And some of the, the old time suggestions of the stuff we've been using, but I eventually landed on always sync. That was kind of the sync tool that works for me. Boy, they're on version 19 of that. And that is a tool that has been around just for a very long time. In fact, it looks like it's been around for a very long time. The The UI on it is still kind of Windows XP-ish in a lot of ways. Now, the thing works great. I'm on, uh, and I actually purchased the Pro version, which I think was 20 or 30 bucks, so so not not terrible. Um, I was running, I, I run a lot of files in between the Moro data box and the Drobo for local backups. So it's running off Moro data. I'm bringing it over the Drobo as a second kind of form. And then of course for Moro data, it's going up to the cloud. So I wanted to sync between those two boxes. Anytime I put something on the Moro data box, it was going to sync over to the Drobo. Right. Drobo had some software to do that. Eh, it was okay. 
always sync is kind of what I landed on. They're on version 19.1.5 right now. Works like it expects. You put the file on there, it waits a minute, moves over. You get you get kind of a UI on that thing, and um, it, it just does its it just does its job. Runs as a service in the background. Does what you would expect it to do, right? So I was contacted by the by EZUS, and they provided me a um, they provided me a key for this. They were like, "Hey, what they were really looking for," and I think some of the feedback I got from the community on this was that. Most folks use it for the partitioning um, software that comes. That Interesting. Comes with it. Have okay. you do you have you ever used a, any any kind of software for partitioning or disk partitions or any of that kind of stuff? Mike? I use uh, usually disk part just on the the built in tool on Windows to kind of build those partitions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what what's kind of the use case beyond what's built into Windows? What what do you need beyond that? Is there some sort of oh. Various utility. Listen, I have never, like, I have never outside of Windows partition to drive ever. But when I put that out there, when I, I said, hey, has anybody ever used Jesus before? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've used it for disk partitioning and backup of that or whatever, right? And okay. I'm, just, I'm kind of a blow it away kind of guy, start over. I just don't do a lot of partitioning that way, but I do a lot of syncing, right? And I saw they had a sync product that was available. And it's it's actually pretty good. Um, now they provided the key for me. It's it's a thirty dollar product. It's a one time purchase, lifetime, um, you know, thirty dollars lifetime updates uh, basically, and it's drop dead simple. It's kind of one of the things that's that I, that I really liked about it. In the end, it is it really lacks in UI. So there is none. <laughs> you you basically this what you're seeing is all there is to it uh, when we think about what it's there. So I've got some you know I have some things set up right now. I have the camera running. So you see this folder here. Uh, if we come up here to the package cam, there's the files that are syncing in between it right now. The backups, I have our backups. We use Acronis for backup here. So the PC, Studio PC, my wife's PC, we're getting backed up. Then I backup and I needed some other things to run on this thing. So I'm just, I'll just grab the backup files and sync them to the Drobo as well. Right. Right. Um, those are those are syncing. It's got a, um, it, it, basically down in the tool tray, then you've got a, this is the only UI you really have in this. And you can kind of see what it's doing right now. It's backing up the Studio PC at 75%. Uh, Sarah's PC's backup is uh, is getting ready or is running as well. And so it's it's drop dead simple, Mike. You, you do targets. If we, if we say, hey, I want to create a new sync in here. And you just choose the select folder you want it to come from. You choose where it wants to go. You have options to send it to the cloud and FTP or do this across computers. You can select which version you want it to go. In other words, this way, that way, or sync, right? Right. If you want it, depending on where you want it to go from, to do it. And you click go. And what it just, a simple it use, like interface. I know it really doesn't have one, but this is simple. Like, yeah. That makes total sense to me. Now, my one question is, if you, let's say I am backing up things from one NAS to another, mm -hmm. is it having to pull that down to the computer and then send it back out? Nope. So just like a Cronus or Always Sync, it actually authenticates to that device. So okay. it'll say, hey, on the Drobo, not just does it connect to the Drobo, but it collects its username and password. That way it's kind of, it has everything it needs it has to the authenticate credentials it needs to do the it. credentials yeah. to get it right. Yeah. So, uh, so no, no, it's going to move them straight across. I mean, of course, there's going to be some processing that goes on locally because this is running that, this is moving those across, but it's not like I'm copying it down to here and then copying it back up to there. It's just being copied straight across uh, on the network, right? Across the network. Right. 
The um, not many settings to actually have to worry about is either. If I click on the settings, um, it, there's, a, there's a really simple. <laughs> this is really simple. Language, the default path. Do I want it to automatic, automatically update? And do I want it to start as a Windows service? I um, this is one of those tools, Mike. Uh, again, thirty bucks lifetime. This is one of those easy like man. I even emailed the the contact there, the one that reached out to me, and I was like. Is there some kind of UI that I'm missing? <laughs> like this, uh, like because I want to watch. I'm a, I'm a guy who wants to watch things. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is all you get. See this little spinning, uh, that little spinner that you see right there on on the PC. What'd you yeah. have in the bottom corner though? Well, I mean, on this on this window we're seeing here, this is all you get. Oh, okay. I could go down. This isn't the sys tray, so I go down the sys tray and click on that. And that gives me some process updates of what's going on. Down. It's funny oh, that the that the that has more than the actual <laughs> app. Interface. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, really, really, thanks for that notice, Windows. So, um, yeah, really, really simple um, I, uh, interface, like almost too simple. I've been having it running for oh maybe a month now. In fact, they just reached out to me the other day. They're like, "Hey, you, you going to do anything with this?" You know, in uh, in exchange for the the license key, I told them I talk about it on the show. Um, I I I kind of like it. I mean, it's been a, it's been a good. I haven't monitored to see what it's doing behind the scenes. Is it sending any notes or anything? I've been checking any of those kinds of things. I, I checked with the community, and uh, some of you are a little concerned they're a Chinese company, and some of you are a little concerned that uh, of that. Um, in okay, so you know, I'm uh, not a recommendation or non recommendation, but a pretty drop dead easy tool. Love to interact with you if you've tried this. If you got some questions on it, I don't. I just don't know how to make it. Uh, how to make it any any drop dead easier than that? It's super right. simple to use. So when you're when you're setting up a new, let's say, sync or backup, I'm guessing does it pop up with a schedule, or does it do an automatic detection of the changes, or how yeah, does that you work? Could, no, you, so you can. It's it's really Either. like yeah, sync this to that. How often and boo, off it goes. Okay, and it does its thing. I set all mine. I didn't set them on a schedule. I set all mine to just keep them in sync to get that right, done. There's right. a scheduling tool. You can set it, you know, daily, weekly, monthly at this time, if you want to do it that way or upon a change, right? Anytime there's a new file, it's been really, really handy. One of the things I do is set the camera. So I have SightHound running on this computer and it actually installed two drives that I'm running a stable bit drive pool on and I've put them together. And then, so it copies those each every time Sighthound sees something, by the way, they're doing some really cool work. We could probably they're, spend the yeah. whole show talking about that. They really are. Um, so every time it creates a video file, it puts it on that drive. And then I've got, I have um, the sync tool pointed to that. And every time that shows up, it sends it over to the Drobo. So it's kind of just bam, sending it over. Bam, every time it updates, it's sending it over. So that's a good example of now I could batch process those if I wanted to and just say, hey, every night at midnight, update these files um, and get it done. So um, pretty simple. Ease us, E-A-S-E-U-S. Uh, the U-S is big on that one, uh, is in capital letters. I think they say ease us is what that is. Um, they're, like, I, like I mentioned, their plans, uh, 30 bucks and you're, you're in business. Again, I, I'm, it's not a recommend, non-recommend. It was just something that actually worked and in a sync tool setting, uh, something that was really, really easy. Always Sync has been a great tool for me and has worked equally as well and have way more options in Always Sync. I mean, that's a tool that kind of comes out of uh, 
25 years, probably maybe 30 years of doing sync uh, with them. And it's a super good tool. It's just got a lot. It has, it has a big interface on it and a lot of, and you know, a lot of other options um, to do. So pretty cool. I want to thank them for providing that key uh, for, for, for me to get that done. And um, if you're needing an easy sync tool, that's probably one to consider. All right. Um, we got some user feedback um, as well. It's been super cool to have um, a lot of conversation going on when our guest bailed uh, tonight and said he couldn't yeah. make it. It's I always I always say to you, I'm always like, hey, no guest. And you're like, yes. <laughs> yes. These are my favorite. Well, I, I take that back. I love when we have guests, but I really enjoy you and I getting to kind of just nerd out and talk about what we've been doing lately. It's good to have a good mix of that. Of uh, show yeah. with you and I. And real quick, can I just have put in one quick tip? You mentioned Sighthound. Yeah. Real quick, one setting I noticed. I don't know when they added this, but it was a setting that was in the wrong setting for me for what I wanted. If you are running Sighthound and if you're running it on an SSD, so if you're a boot drive, and I can guarantee most of you are, there is a setting where it will buffer all of the new video and it gives you two options on the boot drive or in RAM. And if you're do if you have an SSD, I would not have that buffer on your boot drive because that's a lot of writes and read cycles just for no reason. Um, and that's the default setting. Default setting is on the boot drive. So I would go into Sighthound if you're running it and you're on SSD real quick and just change that to buffer in RAM. It doesn't. I thought I was all of a sudden going to see all my RAM just taken up by that buffering of the footage, um, but no performance hit. No, nothing. It didn't take up any more RAM than it actually was. Uh, maybe just a little bit more. So quick tip there, go in and check that setting if you're running it just so you can avoid the useless read writes on your SSD. Yeah, and Kevin said it was he, he that was concerned about uh, EZUS in the China connection. Um, so Kevin, thanks for... Not, you know what? We should be concerned. Um, Joe says I block outgoing connections to China and PS Smart. Sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, that should be, you got an email. Oh, so Joe also says, and I want one of these, by the way. So Joe, if you can get me in on this, I got the email invitation from Sighthound to try out the beta of the automatic license plate recognition. That would be super cool. I, they, they, I got an email from them that said, Hey, we're doing this. And I was like, Oh, Hey, and I think I signed up for the demo hoping maybe that they would just say, Oh, do you want to try it out? That would be yeah. super cool. Yeah. I've been a paid user. I'm involved in the forums and I got nothing. I got Jack. I know. I, that, I, I shelled out because I mean, I, th I have like the whatever it is, $250, $300 version for the Unlimited, hmm. like the Pro, because I have more than, I think it was two cameras, yeah. I think. So the yes, two, price, I think it is two. Yeah. So I, yeah. I paid the full. And now they have a new, and the other thing is they have a new home license, I think. Uh, I think I saw that in their updates that they're going to have a new home license that's cheaper for um, a, a certain amount of cameras. I think it's going to be right about like $60 instead of like $250 or, yeah. or free. Um, yeah. And I think I just paid the $12 license update for the home one. I think that that gets me current up until the middle of this year. And then I imagine I'll do whatever the new, whatever the new one is. I'm trying to um, uh, think through Joe said he accepted pretty nice considering he hasn't actually purchased yet. So don't be, don't be too jealous, Mike. Um, I've actually considered buying another one of those D-Link cameras uh, that I have, you know, that we bought uh, live here on the show. It's now our package cam. And I, I like, I want a second camera for Sighthound. <laughs> like, so I've kind of been like, that camera works. I know it works. I know it works well. I may pick up another one and put that, uh, put that somewhere in the, you know, in the fallout of having our cars gone through. 
um, I'm not going to lie. I've thought about the, you know, the license plate recognition, you know, getting something where I can see, cause we get a lot of traffic on our road. And it's probably a super big invasion of privacy, but that'd be a perfect way of kind of track, keeping track of who's driving. Up and yeah. Street, yeah. Right. Well, and, uh, just know illegal, though just you will honest. have it's to get illegal. a very high-end camera to be able to pick up those license plates i've been even surprised i have a 4k camera that's in my driveway and even if i pause that and i mean it it, it they're with they're driving at any speed um and they're not right at you because the road's hard because you're at an angle when they pull into my driveway it would be have no problem but i would say 1080 is not going to cut it probably for any form of uh, yeah. license plate recognition. I don't know yeah. what they recommend. Maybe they have a way of doing it, um, but I, I would probably say it would need to be at least a 4K camera. Which those have come down in price. You can get a PoE one and just do a PoE adapter to a plug if you still want to plug it in manually for, uh, you know, uh, 80, 80 bucks, I'd say, for a 4K, 90 bucks, right around there. I'm not saying I could actually do it, Mike. It'd have to be in an awkward spot, and I'd have to push Wi-Fi all the way out to the end of my driveway, and I'd have to. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't do it from, and first of all, I'm not going to do this, okay? But let me just, for a second, let's just say I, I was thinking about it. I'd have to get a camera out on the pole on the road to, to, to have it make any sense. You can't do it from your driveway. You know? right. Yeah, like you said, you could get people driving in, but... You couldn't, and it, that's a kind of a creepy thing to do as a neighbor. So, you know, I went over, um, uh, I went over next door to my neighbor who, where the cameras re- kind of bleed into his neighborhood. Hadn't talked to him since the, since the incident and was like, Hey, uh, I want to, I just want to let you know, you know, cars went through just, and he's like, yeah, I've been trying to clear out my garage to get my car in the garage. I'd like to do that on a more regular basis. And I said, and then, so I put up some cams and I'm covering this much of your driveway. I just, I just want you to know. And he said, oh no, that's cool. Like I, I, no, I appreciate that. And yeah. So it was a conversation knowing. And then I said, Hey, I installed some security lights. They're going to come on when you come in your driveway. I just, I hope that's okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's fine. No, that's great. And they're, they're brighter and you know, some other things. So it was good to have that conversation. He's going to be most affected out of anybody in the neighborhood. Except the, maybe the guy across the street. He's going to be most affected by the lights coming on and going off and the camera there. Um, the other morning, I was out uh, getting in the car. And, and as I was walking out to my car, the neighbor girl turned around. She was walking to school. And I noticed she was walking in the snow. And she turned around and looked at me funny. And I was like, that's kind of like, I, you know, I was like, hey, good morning. But, you know, I was, it was weird that she was, one, she was looking at me funny. And two, yeah. she was walking in the snow. So that night when I came home, I was checking, I was going through just kind of checking the day's stuff. And what I didn't realize is right before I got out there, the camera captured her slipping on the ice and falling. Oh. And she had she probably ju- thought that you saw her, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I was coming out, I didn't notice. And she the camera caught her falling. So she gets up, you know, and kind of, you know, what you do, you look around like, did anybody see me fall down? And then, so she didn't have to slip on the ice. She started walking in the snow. So she went and slipped on the ice of the driveway, right? So it all made sense after I saw the camera coverage, you know, the footage of that. And I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's really, really, um, that's really, really cool that you could do that, right? Now, one of the things that I'm not liking is the battery life, especially in the winter, you know, the stick up cam and the, and the front door cam are both outside and they're both battery. They're both ring. And they're both battery. And I'm getting so far, maybe two or three weeks on oh, those batteries. Okay. Yeah. Now, a lot of traffic in and out. I'm checking them all the time. That'll probably get better as we as we go along. But 
Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm gonna buy an extra battery, right? Both batteries, yep. they take the same battery. So if I always have one extra charge, I can just swap them out. That's just, I think that's probably the smart way to do it. They're probably never going to go bad at the same time. So I can have one that's always just kind of on the ready to swap around. But that is for me, that's a little short. Like I, I'm going to, again, it's one cycle. So I don't know if that's true or not. It's been really cold and that's hard Super on batteries. Cold. Yeah. Um, and you're so, checking it a lot. Like you said, as you start to get out of the the new phase and you stop checking as much, I'm sure it'll last a lot more. Well, but it's going to kind of make me think like, mm, okay, for these areas, do I need dedicated power? Like, is it smart or do I need to put a solar panel, put solar power on them? It's 50 bucks. An extra battery is 30. All of a sudden solar kind of makes sense. That I, think, camera, I think that makes total sense. Right? You're going to spend 30 on a battery. Yeah. yeah. The, the, that camera sits on a South facing garage door. Like, yeah, that should probably be solar. So that's what, what's it. So I, I guess I'm saying this to say what that's caused me to do, Mike, is now you start kind of thinking. And if you, if you're in this boat where you're going to start installing cameras, I was kind of glad I just, I had to, yeah, I bought a few, but I kind of just deployed them all and then started checking the usage. Like, okay. How does this work? How is it? Is this in the right spot? Do I, am I getting the right coverage? What am I getting? What's it coming on for? What's it not coming on for? Yeah. Right? All those pieces. You're probably in a spot. You've been doing this a lot longer than me. You're probably in a spot right now. You're really happy with, you've got everything kind of positioned the way you want it, right? It's You're in the routine. Do you have any batteries outside that you're having to change at all for anything? Or is everything everything I have is hardwired, yeah. yeah. Luckily, with being in a ranch and having access to my attic, I have direct access to my eaves. So I just ran Ethernet. Um, I have one PoE switch up in the attic that handles all the power, and uh, it's good to go. So, And then one, so all the switch up in the attic... POE one line runs from that switch down to the basement to my main server rack okay. and, and plugs it in and uh, they work pretty well. Yeah, it took me a while. And you know, because Sighthound, the thing I like about it, and I think it has the same thing with Ring, is setting the zones. Because it took me a long time to figure out, you know, I, I the, the sidewalk and where people walk. And there's actually a part of my yard that I'm the same, the, all the neighbor kids, when they come home from school they walk across a certain section of the yard and i every day i'm like i don't even need to see really i really need to know if they get super close to the house so i started playing with the zones for for notification and yeah i became pretty happy with with her but it, it does take a while um and each camera i noticed was a little different on sensitivity right because i have a mixture of cameras so it, it takes a while to get your system yeah kind of dial it in, in. Yeah. yeah yeah and for me deciding like what do i want on power what do i want not on power. What am I, what am I okay with? I'd bought that Z moto pivot, which is a 360 camera that's going in the garage. I'm really not using the 360 capabilities that it has. It's really a better indoor cam than it is outdoor. Now it's not outdoor, but it's in the garage. It's okay. So, but it's Bluetooth. Uh, it's a Bluetooth speaker that would make a perfect, like you're out in the garage working. You could just hook your phone up to it and play off that. So, you know, it's those kind of things you start thinking through after you've had it for a while. We got a lot of really positive feedback on the show we did when I talked about all that setup of that. A lot of you guys sent me emails saying, hey, thanks for going through that. I appreciate it. I know it inspired some of you to start doing it or start doing it again. I um, had several emails about the Hubitat that I set up in that as well and have really kind of enjoyed setting that up. In fact, after I set that up and figured out, oh, this is how it works. 
Now I'm like, mm, maybe I could buy more equipment <laughs> to, <laughs> to put on there, right? It, you got to be careful what you when you start doing this. But it has been interesting, you know, I, I think the outdoor ones, uh, I would rather have power, just to be honest. It's the battery on those is pretty tough because you got to go, especially, you know, the doorbell. You know, if I did that again, I probably would buy the powered version of it. Now, that wasn't the one that was on sale. The one that was, and, and in theory, I could put a solar up uh, for the doorbell um, as well. I think I can turn those battery ones into uh, solar. I think there's a little conversion kit to get that done. So, um, anyways. Because, yeah, what did you do with your normal doorbell? Uh, it's just battery. Uh, what do you mean? With the normal. So your your old hardwired doorbell to your oh, house. I just took it off. I just took the thing off and shoved the wires in so I could get them again if I okay. if I needed them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I took the I took the physical bell, uh, you know, not the physical bell, but the physical switch, and I uh, put the backing on it and I put it on the ringer in the hallway so that I always knew where it was at. So if I move and I want to take it with me or whatever, I can take it down. And, um, and, and put the, put the original doorbell back on pretty, pretty simple yeah. uh, to get that done. So, yeah. So, um, Neil, who sends me notes all the time, sent me after, after the show, he sent me an email and he said, nice show today. Sorry to hear about your cars being violated. Murphy's Murphy and all, which I thought, yeah, uh, for sure. Turns out I just got one of those cheap Chinese IP cams. So Kevin, listen carefully on this. I have multiple LAN segments as well as PF Sense and Q Radar. So I was able to watch it pretty closely as it started up. Out of the gate, it tried to go to a bunch of IPs in China, which PF Sense blocked. <laughs> Eventually, it made it to Alibaba Cloud Services sending some Git server messages to port 53 DNS, which also triggered Snort in PF Sense as a result of watching it. I have made two changes in my PFSense router, and a lot of folks use PFSense that listen to the show, so this this may help. One, force all DNS requests into PFSense on the IoT segment. Two, uh, add that camera to the list of things not allowed on the internet. So good, good some some good changes there. Actually, I had to block my Zmodo. I talked to have two Zmodo devices that I've installed here with this. I actually had to block my Zmodo uh, NVR from the internet to keep it from upgrading itself uh, in a way that kept me from administering it with the web browser. So again, another good reason to be kind of monitoring these. In, um, in my camera setup, the NVR is merely acting as a proprietary cheap PoE switch as the cameras that came with it don't use uh, any of the standard or common PoE schemes. All my cameras feed into the IoT LAN segment. That was another thing I heard a lot of, Mike, is people kind of creating kind of a whole separate segment, right? To do, run, yep. Yeah, to run these on. And both hardwire segment, maybe through a PF Sense where you're doing that on that end, or, you know, I have a Bitdefender router. I could do that and I could create different. Not only that, I could have a 5 gig or a 2.4 and I can separate those and do different mm -hmm. things with the guest, right? So... There's some things that you can do there as well. It says all my cameras feed into the IoT LAN segment and are recorded with the Genius Vision. Have you have you heard of that before? No, I have Genius Vision. Okay, I didn't look it up before the show. I should. That machine is a dual uh, dual core. I think no dual homed, dual homed. So the port I opened for remote viewing goes to the private LAN segment. Right, that's a little more than I than I mm -hmm. can kind of do from reading, but that's okay. If I um if if I might, he says. Uh, put in a plug for Q Radar Community Edition. It takes in flow records and syslogs from PF Sense 
So I can also snoop on the mirror port uh, in the switch, which gives it some visibility into the actual data. You can both trigger on suspicious activity as well as keep a record of flows and firewall rejections. The sledgehammer, uh, a, he says, a sledgehammer for sure. I also monitor my servers with it by collecting Windows audit data, which can expose things like in-memory attacks via PowerShell. Mike, you'll have QRadar figured out by the time we talk next. Yeah, Thursday. right. I know. No, so now I got to switch from Untangled to PFSense again. <laughs> Thanks. That was my weekend project. Oh, PFSense also has Wireshark capability. One of the things I saw out of the camera is it was sending out large UDP SOAP type camera announcement packets that were too large. So, uh, so that were too large, so got truncated by the switch. Um, and to show you how over the top or relative it might be, I also use uh, Open NMS in a VM to monitor the network via ping to SM SNMP and alert me when part of it is broken. So, Neil, thanks for Neil that. and I need to hang out, dude. <laughs> all of that is like the stuff that I just get such a kick out of doing. Um, it so yeah, Neil, all awesome suggestions. I totally agree. I run a VLAN for all of my cameras. And luckily, you know, it, it makes it super easy when you run a VLAN because you can just tag your SSID with the same VLAN. So I have a, also a wireless SSID for cameras or hardwired, however they connect. Um, and that whole subnet is not allowed on the internet except for uh, the NVR box, which is Sighthound on a Windows box. So the Windows machine can get to the internet, um, but those cameras individually cannot, which is how I run it. But all that extra stuff, I think I might have to have to switch to PS Sense this weekend. We'll uh I'll probably you should just jump. leave both up and running. So that you if know if I had an extra box, I would. I should just, I'll just probably buy an extra Dell box. Like we're just gonna run these things on terrible option because it's so much power it for is. a router, but it's still a lot of fun. Couldn't you put it um, on a can't you put it on a, a pie? Raspberry Pi? No, not beefy enough. Okay. For all the DPI and things I want to do. Um yeah plus the the Pi doesn't have two Ethernet ports. Kind of thinking, do I have an extra computer around here I could just give you to to get the that done? The OptiPlex doesn't it doesn't run too bad. I think it's probably about thirty watts, which is still okay. a lot. But for for everything I run through it, yeah, it's not too bad. Um, uh, Neil, thanks for that feedback on that as well. We love that. Kevin said in the chat room, sometimes devices are phoning home to get updated code, which happens to come from China. I think he's trying to be kind there to say, you know, hey, it's not always they're not always snooping, but you know, it's worth, I think, in today's environment, especially with relations between China and the United States being what they are, I think it's okay to be that kind of paranoid. I, I, um, I'm kind of wondering now, I think maybe I'll take a look this weekend. I'll take a look at Bitdefender. I have the ability to shut off the internet to any device. And maybe it's worth uh, just taking those camera devices and shutting the internet off to see what they do. I'm not as worried about that. I don't know if I have anything I'm not worried about, although I should be, like locking my cars. I should be worried about that. Um, and uh, so, but it would be a good test to be like, hey, on a really, because what I love about the Bitdefender box is it's just average guy security conscious. Yeah. And it allows you to do some things. You can still have all the, you can kind of still create all the subnet stuff that you could on PFSense, but you don't have the complexity of the UI. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of those where the mobile app is actually a little bit better than the web browser uh, version of it. It's they've 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 poured a lot into that. So yeah, that's um, the same sort of thing for Untangle for me. Is it, it's got the power of PFSense, maybe not the extreme power, 
but they've taken all of it and made it very user friendly to just go in and and make all your tweaks, right? Web filtering built in, IPS. They're just like apps almost in the Untangle. It's it's so simple to set it up. I got kind of addicted to the simple nature of it. Yeah. So same same sort of thing with Bitdefender, right? Like a lot of the same functionality as PFSense, but just in kind of a more user friendly way. Well, that's that's really what it is, you know. And I and I listen. I don't um I don't have any advice in this area to give you guys around this. Just go with what you're comfortable with, and don't let anybody listen. If you want to set it up and have a really complex setup, do it. Like awesome if that helps you sleep at night get get it done like yeah. and, and go crazy with it because it's cool it's super cool at the same time if you can't do that don't and i i, I think you'll be okay with it if you want to go with a standard setup with a ring and although <laughs> they've had they've had they've gotten the hit on the chin a couple times here in the last couple weeks but if you want to go uh if you want to do a standard setup with a ring or with d-link or with you know one of those kind of providers um I just encourage you to get in there and uh, and give it a try. It has certainly been fun, and I'm not quite out of the woods yet on this. Uh, in the in the Discord group, uh, in the smart home group, which wasn't relevant to me four weeks ago, Mike, but it has become very relevant now in the last uh, in the last couple. I had sent out a note uh, to everybody when we talked a bunch about switches a couple weeks ago when we were in here and. I don't have a neutral wire. And so uh, Silver16 in our Discord group said, uh, hey, check out Lutron. They make smart switches that don't require a neutral to work with Hubitat. So that's a good solution. I appreciate that. I'll have to go um, give that a check. And then Bruce in the Discord group put some really interesting pictures out there. I'm not going to, I was going to show them, but I didn't get permission. So I'm actually not because it's pictures of his house. But imagine a, a really beautiful deck that has lighting uh, around it. Very, very well done, Bruce. Bruce said, interesting conversation about deck lights. This is uh, my work in progress. And if you want to see the pictures, join us in the Discord group. Again, I just didn't ask for permission to blast I mean, even Discord's public, though. No, I, you know, I know, but I didn't ask yeah. for permission. I didn't ask for permission. So um, he said, a, he uh, let's see. So interesting conversation about deck lights. This was my work in progress. I asked about waterproof switches at my local electrical store, and they recommended a outdoor three-way switch made by Smartwares. I looked up Smartwares, and they have some. They, 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 I think, are primarily in the UK. I think they have some US products as well. But do they do kind of lighting and security? And um, I never heard of Smartwares. Have you heard of Smartwares before? Mm -mm, okay. I had not. Uh, worth a look. They've got quite an inventory um, on their site. Uh, he found out after doing some research that they can control three channels. It's a three, uh, 433 megahertz and has an app. So I have to. Uh, so I have to set to come on. So I have it set, sorry. So I have it set to come on at sunset and off at 11.30 p.m. It just works. And I think that's a great like application for that. The switch has got the, you know, you can go in and this is actually a great combination with, with Hubitat too, is you can get that in there. And then through Hubitat, you can set those sunrise, sunsets. And I even have a light. So now our hall or our front door light comes on at sunrise but it comes on at 50 percent so mm. it's not blaring at that point and that stays on all night and it it's sunrise did i say sunset before yeah so it's sunset it comes on sunrise it goes off we have a cat litter light that does the exact same thing i want that thing on during i don't want it blaring during the day there's plenty of light down here for that but at night we want to keep it on 24 you could turn it off at a certain time you could say turn that on turn it off 
I also Hubitat, what I didn't realize, and I went back and listened to the interview we did with them. They did not have that mobile app deployed yet when we interviewed them last right. April, right? Since it's come out, it's been kind of cool because that same da dashboard functionality that came uh, just to the browser is now functional on the app from anywhere. And so it's super cool. You can kind of log in and see with your dashboard, um, hey, what's on, what's off, where are things at? And so anything that's attached to that, it's a pretty way to, it's a pretty cool way to control it. I have kind of a new appreciation for Hubitat now and, uh, and we'll continue. Not everything works with it. Ring doesn't have a, there's some folks writing some integrations. This is another, listen, if you're super techie and nerdy and you write code, Hubitat is the, is the world for you. Like you can hack and slash and slice and dice all you want on that thing. Is it easy? Mm, not always, not right. always to set up. Yeah. So. Super cool. So, Mike, after I bought that Hubitat Hub, I was, you know, you even said, I think maybe in pre-show, really? <laughs> like, you looked at me, you're like, you really bought that? Like, it was 80 bucks, I think, or whatever we paid for it back then. And it sat for a long time, and I felt bad. Like, it sat all summer. Like, I didn't do anything with it. I set it up one time, and I was like, nah, this is too hard. Well, you know, you, I needed the right kind of motivation to kind of dig into well, it. And this is how you and I do a lot of things, right? We, we, we get it. We kind of, maybe it goes on a shelf and we always come back to this sort of stuff. Like I, this is why I try super hard if I don't have to, to not sell off any of my old gear because I always end up coming back to it, right? All the old Dell boxes, I'll find a use case for them, anything. Uh, so I, I figured you probably would come to a point where you would have a reason to whip it back out and look now it's, now it's running the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is, um, how's my video to you and how's it? Uh, is mine to you bad? You, you got a little, um, behind in your, um, you know, I in the old days when I was we, testing something, I should have tested it. Cause this is also my uh, Sighthound box. I was like, I wonder oh. how bad it would affect it if I just, cause I had all the cameras off while I was doing the show. Um, mm. I was monitoring the, did you, did you turn them back on? I just, I turned them on like probably five, six minutes ago. To see oh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> is that about right. When it, uh, <laughs> yeah. see, should see it'll probably get a lot better here. I just turned them yeah. all off. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, this Core i7 that in the studio, I didn't even think about that. I've been running Sighthound on that. Although they've been running it for a long time. So we would have known by now if it was going to be. Well, and you're only sure. running two cameras off it, right? Uh, just one. Yeah. And I'm running yeah, nine. Yeah. And two 4Ks and a lot, all 1080p. So it, it, put, it does yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of bandwidth and no. things like that. So um, talk, talk um, yeah, so yeah, you're right. Just to wrap up that conversation, uh, I hold on to this stuff way too long, but it's super helpful when you have that moment of you're like, oh, wait a minute, I have an extra PC I could kind of run this thing on. You know, as an example, I was trying to run Always Sync on that. I, I bought a, a Dell, little a little micro Dell thing, and it just mm -hmm. never really ran Always Sync never really ran very well on that thing. It just was always kind of locking up and it was losing drives and some of those kinds of things. And, um, and so I blew that thing away and actually had no use for it. And when when um, when the guys from the from uh, EaseUs contacted me, I thought, oh, I'll, put, I'll try it on that box. And the software is so light, it actually just does what it's supposed to do on that box. And it just... It has kind of become my sync box. Oh, by the way, one, one more thing I should update too. Acronis has updated their sync software with both Android and iPhone um, and, and, and a backup. I shouldn't say sync. It's actually a full backup. So if you're currently running Acronis on Windows 
and you have iPhone, Android, make sure you check out and you want to back it up. Maybe you're already backing up to, to iCloud or whatever. Maybe you've already figured that out. But Acronis is doing that and doing it pretty well. And it's a pretty easy setup. I think it's been there for a while, but I kind of just discovered it through the app. You download the app, put it on your phone. You can back up your phone really easily to comp your computer hmm. now. A little code comes up. You just take a picture of it. It syncs the two together. And man, you are off and on your way. Backs up all your contacts, all your pictures, all your all the, all those things like that that you went backed up. Another good way to do it if you're on a Cronus. Mike, you you um, spent some time on Discord this weekend because you got a little Franken build going on. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Well, Jim, I I never get I rarely get addicted to a video game um, or get the urge to want to play one. But I started watching. Uh, you know, I've been sick, so I had a lot of time to kind of just sit and watch stuff. So I was watching twitch and this this game kept showing up like all the big streamers had switched all of a sudden and were streaming this game called escape from tarkov and uh it, the people who know escape from tarkov love it and the people or you either love it or you've never heard of it and so this game was like super intriguing to me really intriguing so i'm like i really want to play this but it's only a pc game not xbox and i've always ever been an xbox gamer i have never gamed on a computer uh just because i've never had a gaming computer and i've always done console so i started thinking okay how can i get this done so my first gaming <laughs> my first ability to play this game came actually from my imac now you guys gotta remember this is a 2012 imac it's only got like an i5 30 something uh it's it's got the, the built-in gpu in this thing this imac is like an nvidia 660 so i mean a super like potato of a graphics card just awful uh but obviously i need to run windows so first challenge was if you run boot camp on the mac which is the utility mac has to be able to bare metal boot windows it forces you to install that on an internal drive so i had to use a separate windows machine to actually create a external you know on an ssd install windows to an ssd plug it in via usb 3 to this iMac and boot it. Uh, quick tip here too, is you can actually go into Bootcamp Assistant in, a, in Mac and you can have it just download all the drivers you need and put it onto an external USB drive. And then you can install that later into your Windows build. So it can do it all up front for you or you can just get the driver. So that's perfect because I installed on an external drive Well, I plugged it in the Mac and it wasn't, I mean, the ethernet port wasn't working. Uh, it just all the, cause all the drivers weren't there. Easily, I plugged in that USB drive, though, uh, ran the drivers, and then it was perfect. It worked great. And so I fired up Escape from Tarkov, and with a 660, I had to turn it down to, like, low, low graphics. This looked like I was, like, playing, like, Counter-Strike from, like, 1980. It was it was awful. And uh, I was like, you know, this is just a, a sub-optimal experience. So, I mean, I really want to get some way to play this better. And But, I mean... Hannah right now, there was no approaching her of like, I think I want to go buy a gaming PC. That That is not something you even approach with her, not a conversation I want to have. I think I even brought it up as a joke one time. She was, yeah, right. Okay. So <laughs> I needed to figure out a way to use the stuff I already had here. Plus I figured I could probably get one graphics card. And if I got it off eBay, I could probably, you know, stuff's coming down in price right now. So uh, I was like, okay, I have an Optiplex over here. It's running Sighthound. And, you know, it's got, it's got, it's the 1155 chipset or socket um so it's, it's got an i5 in there right now 2400 it'd be okay but i can't fit the way those optiplexes are first of all there's no extra 
things on the power supply, right? Like what it came with is what you got. So yeah, and probably a four hundred watt. It's pretty two two fifty. Oh yikes! Yeah, yeah two fifty. And there's not even an extra. You know, they don't no. have like the PCI power port for those no. graphics cards. No. So. No. It was going to be, and the case was too small. So it was going to be, number one, I was going to need a new case. Number two, swap out the power supply, which I had an extra one. That was no big deal. Um, so pulled it out. Now, everyone in Discord did warn me. Uh, Justin, everyone over there was like, bad idea. These boards are proprietary. A lot of times the power is like an 8-pin power instead of that standard 24-pin. So I did some testing up front. The 20, mine was a full 24-pin, and there really wasn't many, there weren't many issues with this. I got it pulled into the new case. Only odd things were number one, the fan headers are not, they're proprietary. So I had to pull the fan out of that Dell Optiplex box. And then the other one is just plugged into power. So it runs at full tilt. So fan headers were unique. Um, unless I did something wrong, the headers for the power are proprietary as well. The power uh, button in the Dell Optiplex box has like this, probably a, a six prong little adapter you're plugging in. So I've been trying to plug in the, the headers from the case for the power and those weren't plugging in. So I ripped out the power cord, <laughs> but in the process of ripping out the power button, it broke. So you guys, I mean, I posted pictures out in the discord. If you guys want a really good laugh, just go check this thing out. Which, so, which group did you post those in? Do you remember? Uh, hardware. So hardware. I put it in the hardware okay. channel. Okay. All right. So you guys can go look. So I, I got it in there though. And I had to dangle the power cord out the front. So I popped out like one of the plastic little pieces. I mean, this is a cheap $20 case. It's no big deal. So I, I got the power out there. But after I got that done, this thing works great. So it was mainly a use what I had on hand to, to get things done. So then I got a, a, a GTX 1060. And I got to tell you, with a 1060 in, in this, even with the i5-2400, it's only got 8 gigs of RAM, so I think I'm going to have to bump that up to 16. Which is not bad. You probably could have gotten away with 8. Yeah, pr probably could have. And that's what I'm running right now. So we'll see. Yeah. I think, But I think I'm going to get some more RAM for it. Um, I was able to run this Escape from Tarkov game on high settings and was flawless. So before, I was on low settings, and I was getting about 16 to 24 frames per second when I was using my iMac. And now I'm getting about uh, 75 and 90, depends depending. I have overclocked it a little bit, uh, the 1060. But it's a Frankenstein machine. But you know what? To be honest, no one's seeing this thing, right? Like, no one's down in my basement. No one's here. I, I just need the ability to play, and it plays great. So... Uh, probably some things I'll look for in the future. I'll probably end up swapping out the motherboard. This was just because I had it on hand. I did notice for an 1155 socket motherboard, there are some pretty cheap options on eBay. And this board, for example, doesn't have USB three, um, only has three SATA ports on board. So I think I could easily spend 35, 40 bucks on a used motherboard off eBay and probably have a little bit better experience. Plus, <laughs> I wouldn't have to use the jank power button, and and the fan would actually plug into the motherboard, and and there would probably be some some better options there. But uh, so got that up and running, and uh, it's it's working out really really well. So now, obviously, uh, Ryan was playing Apex last night, so I got Apex downloaded. So I'm like, okay, well now the, the I the world is my oyster now. Now I'm a PC gamer, Jim. <laughs> now this is like a whole new world to me. When I have the ability to run PC games, I've never been able to run this. I've always either been a Mac guy yeah. Yeah. or uh, had a Frankenstein of a like an oh. iMac, right, which didn't run it. What'd you pay for that six gig, uh, 1060? Uh, 140. Oh, it's not bad. No. Yeah. That's so actually pretty good. Yeah, and <laughs> you know what? I'm always swapping. So yeah. I sold the I sold the um, USG for a hundred. Grab that for 140. The USG yeah. gateway since I've kind of got rid of Unify yeah. uh, just on the USG side. Right. Kind of swap that out and. 
you know, nice. so it's, yeah. So, uh, be careful though, when you're looking at graphics cards, just because like that same price, there were easily three gig models that were being listed there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't catch it, you could have right. gotten a yeah. three gig model. And really for gaming, I think, especially in 2019, the six gig is kind of what you need if you're going to be using it for gaming. Yeah. Um, but they were all pretty much right around that same same price. Yeah, I, I have four of the three gig versions from two years ago when we were doing all that um, that mining. Yeah, and I, I just I you know I've kept them and they, they make great cards to put in for the kind of stuff I don't game I don't PC game I don't game at all. But uh, so they're they make great graphics cards uh, if I'm you're gonna and I so I'm the opposite. I'd rather have a million monitors that I can do computing on. And I don't game on any of them. Right. But I, but I want video here. I mean, I want dedicated, like a Sighthound has its own dedicated monitor down here. And so having a couple of those cards with with the ability to run out just about any port I want to, and including the, the onboard graphics on this card, I could run, in theory, I could probably run eight monitors, maybe more off this, the two 1060s that are in here, plus the, uh, the onboard. Four, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten. I could probably run ten yeah, monitors. Yeah, because the ten sixties have. I think they have four. Four plus DVI. I don't, and I don't know if yeah. you can use all of them at the same time. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. That I'd, I'd have to look it's into. Got, uh, it three display really support and one HDMI. Yeah. You can run a bunch. Yeah, off that thing, and yep. uh, and super cool to have. So, I've thought about getting rid of them. I don't really use them. I mean, I use them on this PC. The one of the other miners, they just sit in there, and I'm like, eh, no, I use them for like what we've been talking about. Mm, I might get in a pinch. And I'm going to need a video card to run some yeah. things off. I'm going to rip it out of there and uh, and use it for that setup. I bought a bunch of SSDs when we were doing all that burning, and they were sitting around for a little while. And, man, they have come in handy when I set up the – when I took the NVIDIA Shield out for Sarah out there. Well, now she has an SSD for some of the recording that's going on out there, and it works just great. And just to have extra OSs around that are fully installed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For example, if I had an extra SSD run, I have them deployed all right now. I would have PFSense fully installed on one SSD. And I could just mm-hmm. swap in and out the SSD on that Dell box and run PFSense, swap it out, be running Untangle, and just have I, that kind of go back and forth. You know, I got a 60 gig SSD I could just give you. Like, it's just sitting here. I'm never going to use it. So I have to bring it by. Maybe a little care package. Little care package. Well, we still got to get together. There's like, you well, know, I we, did see been, you. You did come yeah, by. Yeah, I did like, come by, but did, that doesn't yeah. help. We need to actually no, do a, I know. We need a day. A, we need man, that, because it was supposed to be last Friday. We were supposed to get together, and that weather that was that was probably yeah. the worst weather I've ever driven in, in my entire life. Yeah. Driving from Kansas City to Omaha, it was ice and snow, and then back to ice. And we all, it took me. That drive from my high school where it's at in Kansas City usually takes two hours and forty five minutes, and it took me five hours. To get home that day. Yeah. Um, it was. Yeah. It was we, I, I, it was ugly for everybody. Hey, in, in learning this though, you told me that. So the MSI afterburner tool. Oh, this is a good yeah tip. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that. So uh, a while this, back. And I think this came from it. Ryan from the show last night or did they no, talk about this? No. Okay. Something I, I discovered on my own. Oh, so okay. um, because of fancy Google searches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Overclocking graphics cards is something that most people are have at least heard of. Uh, but what the developers, what the producers of these cards realized is that it was really something that kind of the the nerdy guys were trying to do. The average guys were kind of breaking their cards sometimes by trying to do it themselves. Uh, but they knew that their cards have the capability of overclocking. So about two or three years ago, whenever they came out with the 20 series cards, whenever those came out, they added in essentially their own overclocking tool 
uh, produced by NVIDIA and MSI. So if you use MSI Afterburner, there is a built-in, blessed by the company's uh, OC scanner, so overclock scanner tool built in, and it'll essentially do the hard work for you. It goes through and it kind of bumps up the core clock, bumps up the core clock, and it keeps going through until it fails and then kind of comes back and it sets its own curve uh, for your overclocking. Super simple. It runs the test in about 15 minutes and, uh, and then it sets the curve for you. Now it's I people have the reviews I have seen. They're saying it's a little on the conservative side, but a lot of them are saying it's pretty much dead on. They said they've run with the cl- overclock that it's set. They've tried to bump it up and it starts to get glitchy on them. So they think they say it's pretty flawless. It doesn't. It never leads to unstable cards. Sometimes they say you can maybe squeak out a little bit more performance. Um, the only thing really that after that is it does not adjust memory clock speed. So you do have to do that on your own. Um, but memory clock speed's a lot easier. It's, it's really just one dial compared to everything else. So uh, it, it's a really cool tool. So now it used to be two years ago just for the 20 series cards, you know, the 2080, 2070s, but they have since expanded it to the 10 series cards as well. So with my 1060, it's you open up MSI Afterburner, you click on the OC button, and then you click, uh, I think it's there's scan and there's test. You click scan first, scan runs the 25 minute thing, then you test it and just make sure that it, it, it works. Save it as a profile and, and you're good to go. So a really cool, uh, they do all the hard work for you way of overclocking. And I was always one that I did not want to mess with it because I would always break it. Mm-hmm. And I, did, I didn't know enough about it. So I, it scared me. But people say, you know, you can really get a lot more performance out of these cards yeah. by overclocking. It was just something I never tried to do. This was back when I was mining. Right. That was the only time I had experience with these cards. And uh, I tried it at first and I kept having issues. So I ended up just reverting back to the the standard. But if I had known about this tool back then, uh, actually, I don't know if it works on AMD cards. That's a good question. I don't don't think it does. I think this is just for it might. I don't know. Yeah, we have to dig into it and yeah. see. I, I put the link in the chat, all included in the show notes as well. Yep. Uh, basically, msi.com slash page slash afterburner if you want to get there and get that done. Um, I'm going to download it and give us a try. I have Asus cards. All four of mine are Asus. Yep. And Asus has a tool that you could do. Now, they don't. It's not, It's only for you got to kind of do it yourself. It, it monitors. It's got a really nice dashboard, but you're on your own. Like you, you can set, they have two settings that come with the software, which is like overclocking and something different than overclocking. I forget what those two are. And then you can set your own and your own profiles. Really cool if you know what you're doing. I would, I I had looked at Afterburner at the time. It didn't work really well for what I needed it for, but I'm going to give it a new look. Not that I'm going to do anything with it. I just think it's kind of cool to go through and, and see what, see what else it'll do for me yeah i've actually not i've turned off all the overclocking on these cards now i don't really need it for what i'm doing here and it just burns more power fans run a little bit higher i don't need all that noise um so i've kind of turned off in the software i've kind of turned all that off yeah speaking of power one thing to notice when you open it you would be led to believe that you don't need to make any changes at first uh but you need to make sure adjust your power setting to like all the way over to the right because it'll it'll work within the parameters you give it for the top. So there's three sliders up top. There's voltage, there's power, and there's temp. Those three sliders you need to set because it'll only work in the parameters you give it. So if you say don't go past 100 power, 
it won't, which isn't really going to do you any good. So yeah. bump the power up. I left the voltage at zero. I don't like messing with voltage on these cards. I think that leads to uh, problems. So I left voltage at zero, but I bumped up the power to like 116%, which was the yeah. max, and uh, and let it go. And, and it did give me a little bit more boost. And then I bumped up the memory clock speed by about 500. And uh, it's it's working well. The community around video cards, uh, from what I remember when we were doing the mining with them, is very strong. And it so is. if you if you like you can find 80 YouTube videos on your card, whatever you have and what people have done with them. So and, and you know, there's a variety. It's not always perfect science, but you can kind of get a consensus on those cards. And during the mining days, you know, everybody kind of had a mining video, how to tweak it, how to set it, how to do that. I'm sure on the gaming side, there's even more. And uh, PC gaming is kind of enjoying a nice little revival, uh, so to speak. There's a lot of PC gaming going on, including you now, Mike. And so uh, if you're into that, the, the, the graphics market, listen, if you walked away from the graphics market two years ago because prices went nuts, right? That that it was our fault, <laughs> by the yeah. way. <laughs> well, not you and me, because we didn't pay those ridiculous prices. But it, <laughs> I benefited. I sold during that uh, that uptick. You kind of did. We bought cheap. So I, I should have sold. Yeah, you probably were. Yeah, and you're always the problem. Mike, just to be honest. So, um, and uh, in a lot of people, I heard from a lot of of listeners in those days who said, "I quit on video cards. Like this is ridiculous." And then both NVIDIA and AMD their next gen cards, they came out at like the price the market had been at, at its most expensive peak and tried to justify it with a whole bunch of stuff. And I think it's pulled back some, but what I heard from a lot of listeners was like, I'm done. I quit. I'm not even going to, I don't even think about this. Um, I'm not saying the prices have come all the way back, but um, it's probably now it's probably a good time to look again. And especially in the used market, for a while, two years ago, if you'd have bought in the used market, you would have been buying miners. And eh, okay, kind of questionable if you want to buy a, you know, a card that has been ground to the, you know, just driven to the ground for the last year mining Bitcoin. Um, but I think a lot of those cards have been flushed out, or they just they're not, you know, they're just they haven't been mining in so long. Like yeah. GPU mining's really been out of fashion now for. 18 months, 24 months, something like that. I'd say so. it's relatively safe right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. In, the, in the aftermarket. That's where I got yeah. mine off eBay. Jim, it, this the way he packaged it reminded me of totally you. When you were talking about selling your hard drives, how yeah. you kept the boxes and everything, this thing came in the original, I mean, even the original, uh, what do you call that? Like the anti-static bag yeah. in yeah. the box, the, the, the manuals, everything sealed, the boxes in great condition. I mean, they could have fooled me this was a brand new card. I mean, even the plugs he put back in for each individual graphics card, uh, he, it looked like a brand new GPU yeah, to me. Well, maybe it was me. Um, no, the um, although I got Jim's know, 1060. <laughs> if you would asked, I probably would have given you one. Um, although it was three gig, and you really do want six. Like, yeah, you do for you, gaming. You really, yeah, you do. for now. For now, you do so. No, super cool, Mike. I was going to reach behind me right here. You have to watch the video. Is that your stack of boxes? Right here is the, the well. All of these are the stack boxes. Right, Xbox. Here's the. Video cards are down here, right? Hard drives, Xbox box. Right above it, though, is my old Windows 7 launch kit from the launch party, whenever that was, 10 years ago, I guess, is when we launched Windows 7. And, of course, uh, that is gone. We talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago. But it hadn't yet been here, and now it's here. And so if uh, you're running Windows 7 um, on the 14th, major 
patch came out thanks to the NSA and their help uh, with Microsoft on identifying a pretty severe uh, vulnerability in uh, in the code. Although it sounded like it pertained more to Windows 10 than it did uh, Windows 7 from from what I've read on those things. Um, but now's the time. Uh, if you if you got Windows 7, I, although I think you could kind of hold on to that for a while, and I think you're going to be okay. My media center is fine. We're starting to switch over. I'm getting feedback from Sarah. She's full-time NVIDIA Shield now. I'm like, give me the feedback. I want to hear about it. She's like, no, some things are locking up. and This isn't recording right. So we've got some things to kind of work out uh, in that environment. That's the one thing. One final thing we should mention is uh, Ed sent me over an NVIDIA Shield, and man, oh, yeah. I've been loving oh, that thing. Oh, good. Yeah, that so yeah. so we've been testing it for about the last um, week or so. I think is about yeah. how long we've had it, and so getting Hannah's buy-in. You know, this is the one that has the remote and it has the controller both, and uh, so we we got it all set. Up. We're using it in the bedroom because that's actually where we watch the most TV because our boys' room is right on the living room and they go to bed pretty early. So usually, if we're gonna watch a movie, we'll go to our our room and watch it. Uh, yeah, I can see what, I can see why you like that shield. Yeah. It's it's Eddie Navarro, by the way, sent that already. Thanks yeah. for doing that, uh, for sending that. He offered that to, to Mike, and we appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, it's a slick little box. It's it's and, great, yeah. and the power behind it is impressive. And what I like about it is that um, the Roku is is also a great device. We were using a Roku and on that TV, the Nvidia seems to play any video format from Plex direct play without transcoding. Whereas I noticed the Roku was having to have the box transcode and I just like to avoid transcoding just because it takes up CPU power on my mm -hmm. server. Mm -hmm. So that NVIDIA Shield, I have never once noticed it transcode anything. I feel like it can play pretty much any video file. So that alone has been awesome. Yeah. I even played some games on it. I was playing a, a bike game. I was sitting in bed one night and Hannah had fallen asleep. It's got the headphone port on the controller, which is super mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what, what are the free games on here? It's actually a good remote. It's, yeah. I yeah, know. I, well, it took me a while. I did not notice that there was a volume slider. <laughs> that that thing in the middle is actually a touch sensitive thing. I, I kept accidentally doing it. Yeah. And yeah. Like, how is the volume turning? Up? I, I doing? Google it. Oh, yeah, it's the slider. Yeah, it took yeah. me a while too to figure that yeah. out. Yeah, it's a slider. So it, it took me uh, a while. Um, yeah, but so thanks, Ed. That, that we are loving that box. It's been a lot of fun to test that out. Yeah, and it makes a great uh, Plex server, too. I, 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 I should try that out. I should do yeah. some tests and, and kind of compare. Yeah, it needs a little storage. Like, you got to have your storage thing kind of figured right. out. If you're going to do right. Plex on it, um, you got to have your storage. I tell you what, if, you, if you've been away from Plex for a while and you haven't, like the new version of Plex server and the dashboard associated with it, like you see, you can see every single connection that's coming into Plex, how much bandwidth it's taking up, what it's running. On some, you can see how the, the memory and CPU are being affected. So if you're running it on a PC, you can see the CPU and memory utilization. And then it will tell you, like you were saying, Mike, it'll tell you what kind of trans, uh, uh, what kind of transcoding, is that the right yep. word? Yep. Yeah. What kind of transcoding oh, for that didn't sound, you never say a word and you're like, is that, that doesn't sound right. The right word. Yeah. That was right there in that moment. Um, it will tell you what kind of transcoding it's doing. And you, so that was so helpful when I was trying to troubleshoot the problems, like with the Xbox and, and, you know, figure out like, why won't this not play for more than 15 minutes on the Xbox? Well, that's kind of the Plex software on the Xbox is terrible. Like it's unusable at Awful. this point, which is, yeah, it's just unusable, which is unfortunate. Hopefully it'll get updated. Maybe Plex will get to that and update it. I don't know. But um, we've, after that, I mean, it's out in the living room. I stream all my TV from it here. 
I was at the airport waiting for my son. I was watching the football game at the airport on LTE on my phone from here. So it's doing the transcoding pretty well then. uh, Very, very well. Yeah. Very, very well. Well, it's a, it's all it's made for. Like, yeah, that's that's the only thing it does. It doesn't have anything else on it. It is a transcoding machine. That's really what it does. It's really was meant to play video. And so it's got all the hardware you need in there to get that done. And Pretty good little tool. So the saga continues. I think we'll wait. Um, I'm going to wait still a couple more weeks till I pull that box down till she's totally comfortable. And then I'll pull that box back and uh, redeploy it in some form or fashion. Or maybe I'll give it to you as a uh, <laughs> as a uh, PF Sense box. But um, we'll, we'll bring that thing back in. And then the Xbox is going to go back out there as, the, as a Blu-ray player. Blu-ray, you know, DVD, whatever. So we, we still have a pretty big DVD collection. Used to have it ripped, lost those files. I don't really care anymore. I'm kind of like, nah, we, we watch so little movies. We can just put the DVD in when we want to, yeah. you know, when we want to watch a movie. It's that's, that's kind of what makes the most sense. So super cool. Mike, anything else on that build? Uh, no, I mean, to be determined, literally the, the graphics card came today. So all of what I told you was done in probably an hour and a half before the show even started. So okay. stability not tested yet, but, uh, I'm, I'm in the gaming world. So. Well, your audio and video, especially your video so much better tonight. Like, I mean, we had that little blip when yeah. you were when running side hound, running side hound, but yeah, no, super great tonight. So whatever you're doing, let's keep. Let's keep doing more. You know what I've learned, these Logitech do like a Windows machine more than a Mac. I've noticed that. So mm-hmm. the the C920, yeah. it just runs, I think, a lot better. Yeah, you super side. clear. You were you were you've been super clear tonight. Well, uh, with that, we'll remind everyone we've got tons of conversation going on. And if you're if you're not a part of either our Facebook group or our Discord group, you might want to jump in them. I'm kind of enjoying our Discord group right now. It was we had a slow start, but. Lately, the conversation has been really good. I mean, like I've really enjoyed it. It's been helpful. Uh, people have been posting pictures. There's just been some great stuff going on. I, I've always contended that, you know, between us and and Reset, with the old home service show community, uh, Surface Geeks, all that stuff that, that we've done for years now, it's almost 10 years now, um, we have the best community in the world. So I appreciate you guys out there in those. TheAverageGuy.tv slash Discord, TheAverageGuy.tv slash Facebook. If you want to do that for those of you who support us on Patreon, thank you for your support in 2019. And I appreciate those who continue to support in 2020. It allowed me to do some upgrades and do some of the camera stuff that we're doing here. So I could come on here and talk about it. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, supporting us that way. We do have a $5 plan out there. If you want to jump in and join us on Patreon, the average slash Patreon gets that done. It doesn't mean Mike and I meet together any more often than we do, but it does mean, and we appreciate the support uh, for the show that it, it does bring. We we gotta we gotta replan another Friday. Oh, you know what? Um, I'm meeting February third, the first February or the first Friday in February. I'm meeting Edward Winnegar down at Havana. Maybe that'd be a good time oh, too. And one of our uh, people reached out. I'm totally gonna blank on the name, so I apologize. I said I was gonna be in San Diego. He said that's his neck of the woods. He's like, nice. do you have time to grab a beer? I said, yeah, I probably, I probably do have time to grab a beer. Nice. Good. I always make time for that. So, uh, yeah, what listener yeah. out there. Well, and if you're ever in Omaha, I mean, Ryan reached out to us. Kirshner right, reached out to us, and he was like, hey, I'm going to be in Omaha. And we got together to Pizza West for pizza. We'd love to see if you're coming through 
stopping through, driving through. This isn't really the time that you drive through Nebraska, but as we think about summer, um, we'd love to see you. You know, email me, Jim at theaverageguy.tv. If you think you're going to be somewhere close, um, we would love to see you. If you're listening on YouTube, and not many do, my YouTube numbers aren't that great, but if you're listening on YouTube, just hit subscribe down there for me. Uh, if you're listening on the live, you can do it that way. Get notified whenever we release something new. And uh, we'd love to have you do that. One of the things I'm learning too, super important is comments on you on YouTube. So if you got something to say, um, this is always, I'm, I'm always torn because I, I really want you to put it in the discord group, <laughs> to be honest, the conversation is just way better out there. But if you want to make a comment about something and leave it on YouTube, it, well, I, I go out there and approve those about once a week. But um, uh, you can do that out there on YouTube as well. And that actually does help on YouTube get us ranked a little bit higher. Not that that matters, but I just have to say it because that's what I do. Don't forget that the TheAverageGuy.tv, both platform and media hosting powered by Maple Grove Partners, gets secure, reliable, high-speed hosting. Mike's on it. I'm on it. High-speed hosting for people that you know and you trust. Of course, that's Christian. And so we appreciate his sponsorship of the show, MapleGrovePartners.com. Uh, plan start as little as $10. Don't forget, you can get the app, homegadgetgeeks.com. Mike uh, came home last night. Sarah was not in a good mood. Hadn't started dinner yet. It was 6 o'clock, but there was a box of HelloFresh ready for me. And I rocked. I made the best sauce last night. I am not going to lie. I had... It was so good. I thought I need to start videoing. Like I need to do a video blog. Of... You become a, 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 what, a food <laughs> blogger. Yeah, just I'm just cooking these HelloFresh meals. Like, and I listen. I have. I'll do the pitch. I get free boxes all the time. I don't make anything off them. I just want you to try them. So, contact me, Jim at theaverageguy.tv if you want to try it. But I, I made. We did grilled. Um, we did pan, uh, kind of pan fried chicken with a. Uh, mushroom sauce, like a brown mushroom sauce, and mashed potatoes and corn. I'm uh, not carrots. Everybody loves that. It's not the weird stuff that you're thinking. That's like your average everyday Midwestern or yep. whatever meal. Super easy. I did it. I like. I did it. This is a hard thing to believe, right? As you're cooking these things, you're like, oh dang, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good. No, HelloFresh is actually pretty good. <laughs> putting these things together. The beauty of this is if you like the recipe, they tell you everything you need to do. If you're just going to want to buy it on your own, just make it again right off the recipe card. It's super. We've done that a couple times for big family meals where we've been like, oh, that was so good. Let's just make it in bulk and we'll double or triple the recipe on there and uh, and do it. And so it's been a really good experience. Are you guys still, you still doing it? Yeah, we did it for one week at the beginning middle of December and we've been off since then just because of uh the holidays. So holidays sick next week is probably the, the next week it's coming. Yeah. I just I love the flexibility in the plan. Me too. too that's know? our that's the one thing we really like. And there's no guilt trip is my favorite no, part. No. Like I could skip out a whole month and they don't even say anything about it. Yeah. In fact uh because of the snow on Friday, the um uh, FedEx guy couldn't get here on Saturday. And so it it backed him up. So we didn't get the box until Monday. We were both at work. Sammy's gone now. So I was eyeballing the package cam, the brand new package cam off of SightHound, off the app, off my phone. But dude, I'm a, I'm a whole new person. <laughs> You're looking at me like, you got it working? No yep. kidding. Yep. Got it working off my phone, uh, SightHound, watching the box about every hour or so. I just kind of dial in it. Is it, you know, is it still sitting on the porch? Is it still yeah. sitting on the porch? Is it still sitting on the porch? So it was kind of fun to have that. And then I could, when Sarah got home, she got home early. And of course the, 
the driveway cam went off when she came in. The garage cam notified me when she got into the garage. The front door cam notified me when she picked up the box. <laughs> like I, you can, like Fall I can time. Yeah, yeah, I can time. I'm like, oh, she's home. Oh, she's in the garage. Oh, she's picking up the box. And then I went to the sighthound, and sure enough, it was gone. And I could even go back and play the video, or I watch her go out and pick it up. <laughs> you know, you're like, I know that's kind of weird, but it, yeah. I'm liking it. It's, Not yet. it's it's kind of fun to yeah. to to kind of watch what's going on. So, if you uh, if you want to join us on the Pampered Chef, just let me know. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Love to have you in there. Winter time is the time to do it. Uh, to just to be honest, it sucks cooking in the winter. It's just cold. Everything you're inside can't mm. grill. Pampered Chef's the way, or Pampered Chef. Uh, HelloFresh is the way to do it. Pampered Chef's the way to do it too. They have some great tools as well. We are live every Thursday. Oh, let me ask this question of the chat room really quick. And if you made it this far in the podcast, you are our most engaged listener. So maybe I'm kind of glad I waited till the very end because uh, this is a tough decision. We are thinking, I am thinking of moving the podcast from Thursday to Wednesday, right? So just one day up, but not Thursdays. Now I have podcasted live every Thursday for nine and a half years. Like, I know that's hard and I know that's everybody's patterns are put in place, but I was telling Mike, like every business thing, every business event, uh, I've got a thing this week on Thursday or next week on Thursday. And it would just be better, I think, for me uh, to get to get it moved to Wednesday instead of Thursday. So chat room, if you're listening live, uh, love to just get a little bit of feedback of uh, good or bad for you. Just, uh, just get a little bit of feedback. If you're a regular listener and you made it this far, thanks for doing that. Um, uh, what do you think? Give me some feedback. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Love to know if Wednesdays, you don't really care because you're listening to this two weeks later or whatever. You don't really care. I know you get that. But uh, chat room, I'd love to hear from you now. And uh, it just could be uh, it would be better for me. I almost never have anything Wednesday nights anymore, but when Thursdays are always conflicts now, for whatever reason, I have a chamber event in a, in a couple weeks on a Thursday. It just seems like everybody wants to book things on Thursday. So let me know, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. But for now, we're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, after TheAverageGuy.tv live. We'll do a little bit of post-show. Thanks for coming out tonight. Those of you in the chat room, we'll stay around to get some feedback on that live show Wednesday, Thursday thing. But with that, we'll say goodbye.